Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. You're listening to Dave and Dia, a podcast about basketball, life, and the Portland Trailblazers. Please keep all hands and arms inside the window and welcome your hosts, Dave Decker and Dia Miller. Hello, Trailblazers fans. If there are any of you left after that Chicago game, welcome to Dave and Dia, your podcast about the Portland Trailblazers. I am Dave Deckard here with Sleepy Dia Miller. It is getting close to midnight. We cared about you so much that we did not start this podcast until after the Bulls game completed. So when the rest of Blazer fandom is out there looking, looking for bridges to jump off of, or effigies of Terry Stotts to do horrible things with, we are here to pump you up to make sure that you don't forget that this is and will be a good team, and to find a way out of this mess. Is is that about right, Dia? Is that what you're here for? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's a good time to remind everyone that we, you know, we record these on Tuesdays, and then they get edited and and put together by Josh who does a great job for us. They go up on Thursday. So there's a there's kind of a time gap. And because of the fast pace of the NBA and the games that we play, we had a decision we had to make today. Do we do it earlier in the day or do we wait till after the game? We waited till after the game. And it's 11 o'clock and my brain shut off, I think, about an hour ago. So we're in for some fun tonight. (laughs) Yes, well, like Carmelo Anthony shooting a turnaround guarded three-pointer for the tie in the last second is enough to pith the back of your brain into insensibility. So, I mean, you can be forgiven, but that's okay. I mean, you're a little sleepy. It's little known at midnight. I turn into even more of a warthog than usual. We're going to have to do something to be earlier on these (laughs) nights so that uh, my reputation can be preserved. But speaking of reputations... Oh, this was not a good event for the Blazers tonight, losing by three to the Bulls. What did you think of the game? What's your assessment of what went on here? You know, it's interesting because we started out and it was like, this is this is the team I want to see. This is what I'm expecting out of this team. We're, we're doing well. And we got through the first quarter and I thought, well, this is, we got this in the bag. And then, you know, I mean, you know me, we can be 30 points down with, you know, a minute left. And I'm like, it's not over yet. So I'm not, I guess it works in reverse as well, <laughs> where we get through the first quarter and we're ahead by 20. And I think it's, we won, <laughs> you know, I, I really thought we were doing well. And then in the middle of the game, it actually, I was thinking we were doing so well that I was kind of multitasking and doing a couple other things while the game was happening. And then I looked up and it was like, wait a second, what happened here? So that went south real quick. That, that went south real quick. 
it seemed like the Blazers had it in the bag, like you said. It seemed like maybe the Blazers felt the Blazers had it in the bag. I mean, that's a lesson they should have learned three seasons ago because they, they can't win without being crisp at most, if not all, moments. And you had the usual defensive lapses. They got away with it in the first quarter, but the second quarter kind of went kaput. And then Chicago just got the bit in their teeth. They just ran with it, and they are still NBA players. They're not a great team. But if you let anybody score on you, they will get used to that pretty quickly. And they did. And it came down to a battle of Zach Levine and Damian Lillard. And both of them came through. But it turns out that Chicago just came up with a three-point edge. I mean, it could have gone either way. But that's still a problem. That's not an excuse. Because the Blazers shouldn't be playing games with the Bulls. That could have gone either way. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. when On the head? On the nose. I didn't Here hit I it off again. your head. I am not William Tell, believe it or not. <laughs> but I can't, on the head, I, I can't get these sayings right to save my life. Well, I, this is I, even more fun nearing midnight. I can't. This is going to be a wonderful <laughs> podcast. It's going to be you goofy to you. Got it correct. Let's just keep it straight oh. and not be fancy here. Uh, when you well, now I forgot what you said that you got correct. Uh, when you said that the Blazers thought the Blazers had it in the bag, I think that's what happened. That's the only explanation I can come up with. Is we got off to a good start. Everyone was like, "Hey, we're doing this. We're playing well. We we've got this." Knowing full well that it's a young, you know, new kind of rebuilding team with a new coach and a new system of play and. They are down players from COVID and injuries. And I think that somewhere in there, the Blazers thought, we we got this. And they just kind of let out their breath and relaxed a little. And you can't do that. You can't do that ever, 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 ever. Because all it takes is another team that really wants it, that slips in there when you let out your breath and takes over. And that's what happened. It was a little heartbreaking. Yeah, well, I mean, a small correction, I would say, or adjustment. I mean, the Lakers can do that, but the Lakers are world champions. I mean, the Lakers know what they have to do. They have LeBron James, they have Anthony Davis, and maybe that's the biggest postscript letdown with this series of games. Win against Golden State, great. Steph Curry goes bananas and destroys you in the second game, and then a terrible loss to Chicago. The overall postscript of that is less about the individual games and more about, well, the Blazers were making noise about being top four team. And it's not like they still can't be. But the reality is top four teams don't really do this, at least not like this, right? If they were going to be a top four team, you wanted them to come out and grab this season by the collar and say, you're dancing with me. And they haven't. They Instead, they kind of, you know, let some things slip, let attention waver, let Steph go crazy. It's a lot of letting and not a lot of getting. And this doesn't look very much like a team. It looks like a team can make the playoffs. doesn't look very much like a team that wants to make a mark. Okay, normally I'd agree with you. Normally I would say, yeah, I agree with you there. But I don't agree with you this time. You use the Lakers as an example, but we've seen them. We've seen this happen with them where they let down their guard and someone else slips in there and gets it. We've done that to them when they've been a far superior team and we've come in and beat them because they just kind of let go a little bit. And I think the fact of the matter is that this season is unpredictable. 
for whatever reason, this season is unpredictable. I think there's a lot of things that play into this. I think the fact that, you know, they had the shortest off season ever. I have a friend that is a retired professional overseas basketball player. And I was just talking to him about this the other day. And I was saying, what do you think about this? Why is this happening? Why is the NBA just such a weird place right now where it seems like it's literally anyone's game. And his response was, you know, they these guys had such a short offseason. They barely got a break. They barely got to breathe before they were right back in it. And there's a sense in which this is their job and they're exhausted. And they probably don't really care to the same extent that they would in a normal season because they're tired and they're not where they normally would be. So it's just an offseason. And I think because of all of that, I think because of the fact fact that you know their regular routines are interrupted these guys run on superstitions and on routine and all of those things are being interrupted because they're not playing in a normal way because of covid protocols they're not having the team dinners they would normally have they're not doing the same they don't have access to the same things that they would normally have access to any of these guys that have any sort of routine their routine is currently being completely thrown off because of COVID protocols. So I think all of these things are creating this weird season where it literally is anyone's game. You look at these matchups and we all think we've got an idea, including Vegas. I mean, you can look at the betting odds even. We all think we've got an idea of who's going to win and then they come out and completely throw us off. And I think, yes, under normal circumstances, you're right. If it's a normal season and we go into it like this, we're looking at this as what the heck is going on. But I would say with this season, I'm still not worried, Dave. I'm still not worried. I still think that this is anyone's game. This is anyone's year. So many things can change. We're literally seven games in, and it's not like we're 0 and 7. We're 3 and 4. So one more win, and we're back to 50%. Like, we're not that far off. Yeah, it didn't look good tonight. It started out good. There's hope. There's promise. We've got the skill, but we fell apart. It didn't look good. That being said, there's still so much to go. There's still so much time and so many things that are going to play out. I mean, granted, I, I will go with you this far. I believe that everything you said applies to everything up to a good, maybe even a very good team. And the Blazers, I think, have a chance to do that. And, you know, and practically speaking, you're right. Anything could happen. They could do anything from never win another game to win the championship. That said, I would draw the line at a championship contending team if you're in Portland's position. You can't look like this. You can't let that happen because you will be tested so hard by so many things and so many people in order to make that journey. And you cannot bend to any of them, at least not willingly. And you know what? If you're going to win a title, you're going to have to look at LeBron James and say, screw you, I'm taking this. And you also have to look at fatigue and say, screw you, I'm taking this. And your superstitions and your team dinners and all those things. And say, you all can have all those things. And you all can have your 500 ball. And you all can be happy about it. I'm taking this. And nobody and nothing is going to stop me. Now, I understand that's easier said than done. At the same time, title contending teams do that. They don't let anything no above them. no one's doing that. No one's doing that yet, though. We haven't seen that with anyone. There is not one team in the league right now that I would say is doing that. 
No, but that's what I'm saying. This season is anybody's game. We aren't seeing one team that's come. I mean, look at the Lakers. I actually don't even know what their what their thing is right now. But I know we beat them. So they're not. They don't have a, a perfect record here right now either. Nobody's done that. Yeah, but the Lakers don't have the same. They have a track record. They've proven that they can do this. They frankly can probably turn that on in the playoffs and get away with it. Portland can't, right? The Nets, they might be able to ride Kevin Durant. The Milwaukee Bucks might be able to ride Giannis. Those guys have less need and less incentive to do that because they're already in the room. If you want to get past the bouncer in the door, as Portland supposedly wants to do, you can't let that bouncer do anything to keep you out. You've yeah, got to get past them. And you know what? You're right. You might be right that nobody's doing that, but nobody's winning the championship except for one team. But we're also seven games in. Like if we were 30 games in or even 20 games in, I would be saying, okay, yeah, this is really a big issue. But seven games in with three wins under our belt, we can't continue to do this. You're right. We can't continue to. But I think we're still okay. And I think we still have a little bit of grace here where we can get it together. I, I really do. And I and I say that again because of the kind of year that it is. Because this is this is unlike any year we've had before. This is not typical. And I think because we're seeing this from everyone else too, we still are okay. I don't think it's time to panic yet. I don't think it's time to start saying, well, we aren't contenders. I don't think it's time to start just throwing in the towel. I, I still say we're going to be up there. I still say we're going to be in the playoffs. And I think, you know, once you get to the playoffs, that's what matters. Once you get into the playoffs, minus where you're seated, you, the rest of your record doesn't matter anymore. It's not going to matter how many games we won or lost in the normal season once we get to the playoffs. And so I, I say all this to say, it's not over yet, Dave. We're seven games in. No, it's nowhere near over yet. But you know what? Just being okay like other teams, that's not what we expected. That's not what should be demanded Agreed. in that locker room, right? Agreed. And that's and where not... we are having, I, I know you're not saying it, but that's, that's literally what you're, we're having to say in order to assert that the season is still alive, which it very much is i agree 100 with what you said the fact that we're saying this and okay is the metric says something about this team has not grown enough yet but i also think again it says something about the season itself because under normal circumstances in a normal season i might not be saying this i might be saying okay we're really screwed here we got to get it together but looking at how i mean we're watching teams that are essentially a guaranteed win falling apart we were watching the blazers beat Golden State by a significant amount and have a great game and then turn around two days later and Steph Curry goes off and beats his own record. This is not a normal season. And and we're, we're seeing just that's not a fluke. That's happening all over the league with, uh, with all kinds of teams and all kinds of games. We're seeing this over and over and over. And so I'm just saying we're not in that spot yet. I think that this season is going to look different than any season we've ever seen. And I think it's just anyone's game. So yeah, I agree with you in the sense of it's a weird place to be sitting here seven games in with a game like we just played saying, oh, it's okay. It's going to be okay. And, and justifying it in a sense. But I think that that's where we're at. 
I think it is. Good. If the season's going to be random, master the randomness. That's how you win. You know when We can break this down. We should move on from this general thing, I think, uh, in which we can agree to disagree. First time that's ever happened. <laughs> Yay. And... Um, <laughs> You know, look. Probably won't be the last. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, I'm sure not. There's there's lightning bolts coming out of the screen. That's okay, as usual. Uh, that said, Carmelo Anthony taking the last shot, which, I mean, was a possibility, and Melo is in there to do that. But you let the Chicago Bulls force you into an off-angle, turnaround, <sighs> guarded three-pointer for your last play coming out of a timeout. And again, it's a possibility. That's why he's, why he's on the floor. But they needed and wanted a better shot than that and didn't get it. And they let the Chicago Bulls, not exactly renowned for much except being able to switch on every you know play with the defenders they had in. They, they switched on everybody. The Blazers couldn't conquer it. That's kind of an issue. Um, this repeated... Ennis Cantor, Carmelo Anthony defensive laps. So finally, they put Giles in. I mean, because I mean, it offered at least some defensive hope. But then, when that happened, the offense died. That's not supposed to happen this year. This is supposed to be the year when both happen together. That's not happening either. There's some some systemic things and specific things that they got to clear up right now. And if it means hurting people's feelings, changing the rotation or whatever, they've got to do that. I agree. It's a weird mental thing for me because I think because of the time period in which I grew up, I will always see the Chicago Bulls as the Chicago Bulls that repeatedly beat us over and over and over. So it's such a weird mental adjustment for me to realize that like they're not really, they shouldn't be a threat to us. But that being said, yeah, I agree. I think things need to change. I think it's clear that things need to change. I think whatever deals were made preseason with these guys you can play this much time we're going to run the offense through you whatever I think they need to put it aside they need to suck it up they need to make some decisions as a team as a coaching staff as whatever and do what needs to be done because the fact of the matter is and we've talked about this before we have the pieces on paper We've got the pieces. Before all the trades and things started happening, we talked about this team, and and I was saying before all that happened, we're just a couple pieces away from being real serious contenders. And I feel like we went into this in that trade season, we got those pieces. I really, truly believe that on paper, we have the pieces to be a solid contender. That being said, the paper got folded up into a paper airplane and stomped on and thrown in the water because we are not playing like that paper says we should. And I just think, you know, I think some of that comes from kind of what you said loosely of hurting people's feelings or people's place on the team. You know, I, I watch we, game after game after game after game. I watch Twitter explode with, well, why is this person playing so many minutes and this person's not getting minutes? And I think we're all sitting here wondering that in some ways, you know, why this isn't working. What we're doing isn't working. So make a change. Even if the change doesn't work, at least it's something else that you've ruled out. Like, let's try something different. And I think that's where I get caught up and that's where I get frustrated is it's like we've got all these pieces here. If it's not working the way you're playing the pieces, rearrange the pieces and see if we can figure out another way to make it work. Yeah, but now we're in trouble. It's something that you and I have spoken of privately. I'll say it publicly. I'm worried 
for Terry Stotts. I'm worried for his position. I don't think it's his fault, but increasingly it's not not his fault in the perception of, you know, that the the meter is moving toward the coach. And the problem is less whether that's true as whether that perception is real for people. And it's becoming increasingly real and it takes the floor out from under Stotts' feet. Let's go back three years. He was in pretty solid position. The Blazers were doing well enough. There was no intimation that he was anything except for Damian Lillard's favored coach, which meant when, for instance, Yusuf Nurkic, who is at the center of a lot of this, again, I will argue, as he did from preseason, that if Nurkic is playing really well, this isn't happening. Nurkic is not playing well. Three years ago, if that was happening, Stotts could stare him down and say, you know, do X, Y, and Z or else. And Nurkic, knowing the coach was in a strong position and he had few options, what was he going to do? He did X, Y, and Z. I'm not saying that was necessary. I'm not saying that happened, although I think it did a little bit. I'm saying it was possible. What happens right now with this coach who has a weak foundation under his feet, turns to Yusuf Nurkic and says, this is on you, buddy, and you got to do this or I'm going to bench you. And Nurkic can look at him and say, yeah, I don't think it's on me. I think it's you and I can wait you out. And you know what? He can. Again, I'm not saying Nurk would say that. I'm no, saying and I don't th- think he would. I'm, but I'm saying that's where it right. is. And Stotts yeah. can't look from this position. Can't Stotts can't look at anybody on the roster and say, it's my way or the highway or, you, you know, you're going to move down the rotation and like it and you're going to be quiet about it. He can still make those moves. He still has to. But he's on incredibly weak ground and if his players rebel there's absolutely nothing he can do about it that's not a favorable position from which to begin to contemplate these things the only way around it would have been to not need them and guess what the blazers need them yeah it's such a tricky spot because again we have the team we need on paper and i think what's going to start happening is if we can't get it together the hammer's going to have to fall. <laughs> I think I just made that one up. I don't even think that's a real thing. Yeah, well, um, hammer yeah, hammer falling. They do that sometimes. Whatever. Usually swear something's after because they hit your toe. Yep. Yeah. So it, something's going to something's gonna have to happen. Something's going to have to happen. Something's going to have to change. And if, if the changes have been made in the roster and, and we're looking at a, a solid roster as far as what we can and can't do, then then the next thing we look at is the coaching staff. And I think that I think that you know it, it's so tricky because I think that Stotts is well respected by these players. I think he has a good relationship with them. I think they tend to work well together, but that's not going to be enough. And if the Blazers can't get it together this season, I'm afraid that some big changes are going to come, and I'm afraid that they're not going to be fun for those of us who love the team. Let's just be blunt. We have Damian Lillard in his prime right now. And we have a lot of people putting a lot of pressure to get him to a championship run. Including him, by the way. Including him. Him, all of the fans. There's a lot of people pushing for this. And you're right, including him. I think there's going to come a point, if they can't pull it out, if they can't get it together, I think there's going to come a point where some kind of change is going to have to be made. And honestly... That may be more for optics 
than anything else. It may be more a matter of we need to make a change and shake things up and let people see that we're fighting for this and we're trying for this. And Stotts may be the sacrificial lamb in that. And I, I hope not. I hope that they can get this together. I think Stotts is a good coach. I'm not someone who's here calling for, you know, let's fire the coach. I think he's a good coach. But I don't know. I mean, you even messaged me that tonight. We were sitting here watching the game and you sent me a message and said something about, you know, if they lose this tonight, I'm a little afraid for Stotts. And my response was, they're not going to lose. They're, they're fine. We're not going to lose. <laughs> so, And I, um, I believed you. I think I, I'm, I'm looking back still wondering, like, did they really lose? Did that or are we just dreaming that? <gasps> Is this like a 2020 aftershock or something that... Well, uh, look, there are two things involved in ancillary terms. One is, uh, you said, optics. Like, it, it would look better in some ways if they made a coaching change. But the other is finances. Do they have to yeah. spend more money? And they're already spending a ton. And that may be an argument where it's like, if it's not really going to impact the team, you write it out and save yourself a million dollars or whatever. I don't know what happens when you promote an assistant. I assume a raise would come with that. But who knows? That said, we said... From the beginning, I mean, as soon as these players were signed and traded for, that this was the year that they had one year, first of all, with this team. And second of all, they had one year to prove that this could work and they would not get a second chance. And if it did not work, it's a disaster and heads are going to roll. We already said that. What I didn't expect was that we'd be talking on Thursday, January 7th, which is two days from now, that if they lose that game, there might be a chance that heads roll right then. And I'm not saying I have any inside information. I'm not saying, but already, already losing the Chicago game is not good. If they lose to Minnesota at home as well, that could be an issue. I mean, and there is a certain point at which head coaching bottoms out at which it just gets to so deep a hole that everybody including management goes we've got to pull the plug on this or it's just going to get worse and you know what rightfully so usually when they don't when they get past that moment it doesn't get better so i i mean i just i expected maybe we'd look in february or certainly like you know you said next april it's it's january and we're talking about that i i'm it's not even late january it's the first week of January. When the season started on Christmas. I mean, we we didn't we barely got the wise men just came, dumped off their <laughs> gifts and a, yeah. a load of crap for Terry Stotts apparently. Uh, and and we've barely seen the star disappear and all of a sudden we're talking about coaching changes that ain't good. That's it. Let's hope that they turn it around. I mean, as you said, the season's still young as I said and we said. I don't think it's Stotts' fault, but we we know this change can no longer wait 3 weeks. Things have yeah. got to move right now, and this was a huge wake-up call. I didn't get to it all because we jumped on here to record, but even in the bits and pieces I was catching of the interviews afterwards, they don't even have an explanation. I mean, the players and Stotts, you know, they're coming out and just saying, we got beat, and that's essentially their explanation. There's no, well, th- there's this, well, there's this, well, there's this. That's not happening. And, and the fact of the matter is, we can win games with this team. We can. We've done it. We've won games against difficult teams already this season. We can. We just aren't. And and again, I think it goes back to also, you know, we've talked about Nurk. There is very obviously, very clearly something going on with Nurk. You know it. I know it. All of Blazers Twitter knows it. Something is up 
with Nurk. He's not himself. He's not playing himself. I do think we saw some glimpses of it tonight. We saw some good moments of his tonight. It just feels like we're stuck in this twilight zone of trailblazers. And I don't know, for somebody who is usually unicorns and rainbows and glasses overflowing, I can't quite put a finger on what's going on. And I don't quite know what to do with that. I'm watching Dia's glass overflow with unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't drink alcohol. I just drink unicorns. Because, <laughs> so, you know, they say the glass is half full. Yes, I know. Mine That's is a, like, I know. it's not even. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful gift. I'm sorry that they are doing this to you. But we need your <laughs> optimism right now. And look, it's, it's, it's not just Nurkic. Uh, that's obviously the center of it, no pun intended. But I think we also know now that Cantor is not an adequate replacement no, for big no. minutes. And I know 24 and 12, and I know he's trying hard, and I'd love him for it. I think his attitude is part of the antidote. He's playing like yeah. this team isn't in the doldrums. The Blazers need that. At the same time, the defensive liability is just way too big there to play him for 26 minutes a game. Uh, it's, it's a huge issue. So the Blazers in essence, do not have a center right now. They thought they were double deep in centers and maybe Giles uh, making a third, maybe Zach Collins also making a third or a fourth. They have zero centers right now. Zero. That's a big issue. Um, Like, how do we get here, Dave? How do we get to this point? How did we go from, I mean, the first one of these we did, we were talking about how we won the offseason and how we were going to be so good this year. How do we get from, uh, you know, seven weeks later... Here we are to what have we got? I, I just, it's its one of these things where it's like, I don't even, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. Like my, there's, there's this inner child fan of me that wants to keep saying, guys, it's just hold on. It's going to be fine. They're going to get it together. We're all going to be okay. But then there's the re the realistic basketball knowing part of me that thinks like we're kind of screwed if we don't make some changes here. I'm trying to be optimistic. Like I said at the beginning, I don't think we're out. I don't think that we're that we need to throw in the towel or call it a season or give up on these great moves we made. I still stand behind that. I still think we've got it there. There's just something, something just feels off. (laughs) And I can't, I can't, do you ever just, maybe this is just a me thing. I am a highly emotional. Now I'm an odd mix because I think I'm also rather rational. I'm very emotional. I react and I get emotional about things, but I very quickly talk myself down and get into the rational side of things and talk myself out of it. That being said, there are times where I just all of a sudden will be completely overwhelmed and feel like I'm going to cry and not have any clue why. And that's how I feel right now. I feel like, not that I'm actually going to cry, but that overwhelming sense of something is wrong and I can't figure out what it is. I can't put a finger on it. I would rather know what it is so we can try to fix the problem. And and maybe internally they know. Maybe inside within the team they know what the issue is and they're dealing with it. Maybe. I don't know. But from our outside perspective, this is a really frustrating seat to sit in. Yeah. And I think you are better than all of us because you both admit and embody that. 
Sorry, I'm tearing up myself. I commend you for that because how few people would sit in the seat that you are sitting in and honestly say, here's the inside of me that all of us have. Every one of us, every one of you listening to this has that little kid in there that is saying the same thing, but we cover it up in statistics and this and snark. And I was going to, you know, he said, how'd we get there? I had a great snarky, funny retort to that. I'm not even going to make it in honor of that child in there. I think there are reasons. Some of them are systemic and have not changed. The systemic issues with the Blazers overall haven't changed. They need more and better three-point shooting at the wings along with defense to cover for the guards. If that doesn't happen, they're not going to be very good. Uh, So we need those things to go right. They're not entirely. Also, the center thing is a huge contributing factor. We just went over that. But let's offer this, though. What's the magic solution to everything Blazers related that's wrong. It's two words. The first is Damien. The second is Lillard. And that's what we have not seen outside of little bursts. We have not seen Dame come in there and say, let's open the windows. Let's clear the air. Let's pick up this room. This is now my team. And this is what we're doing. And I think that it's time. And I think that's going to happen before long. And I think when it happens, good things will happen. And I know opposing defenses are keying on him. Uh, at the same time, I think he is better than those opposing defenses. And there's something, I think the something you're feeling missing is a little bit of that Dame Swagger superstar stuff that he's subliminating or whatever for the good of the team. It's clearly not for the good of the team anymore. And I think we need to see Daddy Daddy Dame come home and (laughs) clean house. And when we see that, you're going to feel a lot better. Yeah, it's so much pressure to put on one person. And I think about like, you know me and you know how I am with this. It's never just Damian Lillard, the basketball player. Think about Damian Lillard, who is whose fiance is very pregnant and about to have twins and could go into labor, I think, at any time. I think she's pretty close. Mm-hmm. So the poor guy has a million things on his mind and is now expected to carry this team on his back. I don't like to admit that I feel frustrated. Like, I like to be optimistic. I like to be positive. I like to get done with at the, at the end of the game and say, you know, okay, yeah, we lost, but look at all these great things that happened, or look at this as we're going to do this next time. And man, I'm struggling, and I just I don't want to fall into that. I want to keep this. We're going to get there, but it just feels off. And maybe you're right. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just that Dame. And it's interesting because we I think we talked about this last time where. He's still putting up numbers. I mean, the man is still shooting 30 points a night. He's still putting up massive numbers when you look at an average score, but he's just doing it. He's he's actually down five points from last year, but last year was phenomenal. So, I mean, you're correct in essence. He's still scoring like an NBA scoring, you know, number one option. I mean, 25 points. There are many nights where an entire team, there won't be one player who gets 25 points. And that's a low average for Dane. It's one of those things where it's like you you watch him come out and put up these numbers and still think, like, where's Dane? And I I don't know how to feel about that. I, I don't know. I just feel this like, Dave, pull me out of this hole. 
Yep. But you know what? He eats those situations for lunch. And you know what? Uh, also, birth of children, he, he needs to take off and see his children born. I think the Blazers will celebrate him doing that. I think yeah. all the fans will say, do that. You get that once in a lifetime. You can have a game on a Wednesday night anytime. So, And because of that, I think in part, Dame will happily turn around and put the team on his back again. I think this is what he does. I think there's ego involved because he knows how good he is, but I don't think it's just about his ego. I think it's literally the people around him need it, obviously, and he is going to do it as long as his body allows him to do so. Do you think that we that this team is almost trained for that? I almost feel like it's one of those things where it's like, I, I'm trying to think of an example with a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I have little kids. For instance, I have a five-year-old and he is bright as can be smart smart child I mean that kid is he can talk me into a corner and that's saying a lot (laughs) smart child really good you know I mean he can ride he taught himself to ride a bike when he was four like he's just he's bright he's coordinated but the child refuses to put on his own pants he won't he just won't do it Every single day. I've got a 13-year-old who's the same way. (laughs) Every single day, I tell him to go get dressed, and he brings me his pants every day. And you know what happens every day, Dave? I put on his pants. Because the fact of the matter is, I can. It's easier than an argument. I just, I do. And so he's five years old, and I have trained him, instead of doing it himself, to bring me his pants so I can put them on him. I almost feel like we're in this position where the trailblazers, can, they've been trained to bring Dane their pants. <laughs> they, they just, that's a good it's way like to put they, it. <laughs> it's like they're so used to this way of playing where this is a terrible example, but they're so oh, used I'm to I'm never going to forget this. <laughs> they're trained <laughs> to bring Dame There's, your big boy pants and we'll put them on for you. I don't mean that in a condescending I, I way at all because we have a very skilled team who is very capable without Dame. And when Dame is, and this is why I say this, because when Dame isn't there, they step up. But for whatever reason, when Dame is there, it's almost like they're waiting for him to do it for them. And when he does, it all kind of kicks in, and that's where we see the magic. And I just, maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're all standing there with their pants. I, this is a terrible yep. example. And, and waiting on Dame, and Dame's kind of waiting for them to step up a little. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if it's just like an off thing, but that's all I can think. Okay. So let's let's address the parental issue first, mom. I know zero 15-year-olds who are still coming to their mommy to put on their <laughs> pants, okay? Finance the right. pants, maybe. But whenever we have these worries, I always say, and it's the same, by the way, all of you with kids out there who aren't reading quite as quick as other kids or whatever yep. it is. Very, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist because it does. Some people right. just, you know, their growth curve doesn't pan out quite the same. But for most people, it will come in time. Don't right. worry, mom. Okay, just it's better not to. In fact, that creating the tension prolongs it and creates all kinds of ickiness. The loving act of supplying pants as long as the pants are needed. That's the mom testimony. That's also, by the way, I think kind of how Dame approaches it. But I would argue that that's no longer what's going on. That was 2016. That was what was going on. 2017. Yes, that's it. First of all, other players are trying to take over to varying levels of success. But it's not like working. CJ. 
Yeah, CJ. CJ came out and killed it. Yeah, absolutely. And he is killing it, but the Blazers aren't winning. We'll have to see if that translates into more wins. But they're putting on their own pants. The problem is the pants aren't quite pretty enough to win. The other thing is, though, you can't train the centers to do as badly as they're doing now. I mean, there's no amount of pants on or off or anything that fixes that. If you watch... Yusuf Nurkic tried to score down low. I mean, and just barfing up quick shots that just are, yeah, it's bad. If you watch Cantor's defense, there's no amount of waiting and seeing there. That's really who they are right now. And at least in Nurkic's case, he's got to fix that up. No amount of waiting will fix that. You know, it's it's just, it's, that's not the issue. The issue is right now, they just kind of really suck there. So, okay, when that is fixed, the team and everybody's contributions is going to look a lot better. Until that's fixed, Dame has to take that ball and say, show me, show me you can, show me your worth. Forget your pants. I'm putting on my pants and I'm going to work. (laughs) You show me when you're ready and your pants are ready to come along and we'll we'll take take center to work day and uh, we'll see what you can do. Uh, And again, I believe that's coming. I don't know. I, I think everybody hoped that wouldn't be the solution. As you say, some of those changes... Oh boy, I'm not sure that this bodes well for Cantor. I'm not sure that this bodes well for Carmelo Anthony. I mean, there aren't too many other players that I think really, I mean, those are the sore thumbs right now. Uh, I don't think they can bench Nurkic, but he's the other one. I think Giles is going to get a chance. I think he needs it. I hope Hood comes back. I think Gary Trent needs to play more minutes because he at least provides the defense. And there were some exciting things to happen even against Chicago with, for instance, Trent and Jones Jr. out there. I think Mm -hmm. the Blazers need to exploit the people who are putting on their own pants and getting out there, and they got to forget about the rest and leave them at home. (laughs) This this pants thing is going to be a thing, isn't it? (laughs) I will never forget that example. I think that that's funny as heck. Have you noticed what's happened here so far, though? Before you put your own jacket back on, we switched. Did you notice that that happened? Yeah. We switched in the middle of podcast. Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm I'm going to be realistic. I'm feeling bummed about it and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, no, optimism over here. And it's like. I said I needed you to pull me out of the hole. The thing is, it's my nature to be optimistic. I'm such a weird fan because it's my nature to be optimistic. But I really, really like to win. Like, really like to win. I'm optimistic, but I also get like. It's almost like I have to like live in this weird little delusional world where my optimism is almost overshadowing the facts <laughs> because if I start looking at like where we're actually at and how we're actually playing, I start to get a little bit depressed about it because I want to win. But I also really just want to, I don't know, I have a whole lot going on in my head when it comes to being a fan. You've got a Um, wonderful rug covering that floor. It's just the floor has some holes in it right now. And we don't want (laughs) to step on those spots. In the midst of all of this, there's good. Derek freaking Jones Jr. with his, I mean, the man He doesn't have enough names. You got to give him another one. (laughs) I can give him a whole lot of names. At least it's not Prisbilla. I had to learn to spell that once upon a time. And people still, I don't mean to interrupt you. You can go with Derek Jones Jr. in a minute. But look, people to this day, and I haven't spelled Prisbilla wrong for like 15 years. People to this day, Dave, you misspelled that. No, I did not. (laughs) I got that one down. That's right. You know, there are not a lot of people that know what a basketball hoop looks like from the top. 
And that man, I mean, he jumps up there and he is looking down into that net. And I wonder what that view is like because he sure sees it a lot. He, he sees the advertisement that you see on the free throw cam. He could <laughs> autograph that thing. Yeah. Oh, Fred Myers yeah. and Derek Jones Jr. Yeah. It's just, he is an incredible talent. And it's interesting because you watch these guys dunk. You know, he won the dunk contest last year. And you watch these guys dunk unopposed. And they do all these fancy things. And that's impressive as it is, especially for someone who's 5'2 and cannot even touch the net when I try my hardest. And I can't palm the ball to save my life. So watching these guys fly in the air and get that thing in the hoop in all these fancy fashions in these contests is incredible. But when you put them on a court where they're contested and there's guys coming at them and there's timing issues and whatever, and they make a move like that, it is a beautiful work of art. And it just makes me so happy that for a split second, I don't even care that we lost because that image of Derek Jones Jr. flying over the basketball hoop is ingrained in my brain. And that, my friend, is sweet success. I'll agree with you 2,000%. And it makes me think, and it, it, we don't want to hear this, I know, but okay. <laughs> you have two questionable defense, half-court-oriented guards, and right now, two centers who don't move very quick. And... You wonder if something needs to change about that, and especially in the backcourt. What would happen? I think you can get away with one. I think you could get away with the point guard who does, who can run, but it's you know he's going to score in the half court. As soon as both of them are half court oriented, the offense is not going to move. And you wonder what would happen if someone's a little quicker and a little more streaky, you know, at the uh, and a little better defensively at the shooting guard. Now Gary Trent Jr. is a couple of those things, but he's also kind of a half court player i would like to see him more in the open court before i make a judgment that he'd be the one but it would be it would be interesting to see if the blazers had uh, a little bit more of a transition uh, backcourt what jones jr would look like and of course you can argue that it's not worth changing the roster for him but at the same time i think that a lot of what you're talking about is getting wasted and that's making me sad i'm hoping again i'm hoping that he's new this year and i'm hoping that this is one of those things that they're going to realize that that trust is going to build. They're going to start to trust that he can get it in there, and they're going to start working on that. The problem is Dame doesn't alley-oop. I mean, he doesn't alley-oop a lot. Yes. He's not really he good He doesn't alley-oop yet. Yeah, I mean, that might be one of those off-season things that he could work on along with the... I, I never, never, ever, I'm sorry, excuse me, I take that back. I was facetious. I would never, because people do this every summer. You know that, hey, Dame, why are you rapping? Why don't you work on this, that? Shut up the man is yeah. only the best player in franchise history practically right. and one of the best guards so but if he's going to work on anything hooking up with jones jr for some alley oops would be pretty sweet cj mccollum is not in position to do so but yeah i mean then blazers need to get faster especially if they're going to play this way they at least need to get some easy buckets pressuring the opponent and making him run now you are taking my positive things and talking about improvement dave yeah, well, I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make Jones Junior. experience for you like a regular thing. Like this is not just an e-ticket so that pretty. you have to ride every once in a while. This is like free admission. Get in all you want. Fast pass to Jones Junior. Heaven. That I think would behoove the Blazers. 
it is just so pretty. And if you saw, I don't know if you saw the picture of it, but Bruce Eli, the team photographer, he got a picture of Jones Jr. in the air. And it is, I mean, you talk about pretty, you talk about art, that right there is beautiful art. The other thing that, that I think we kind of skimmed over very quickly is we had a real good win against Golden State. And we kind of focused on this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I, we got to get this on video sometime because Dia just did this uh, thing where it was half sass and half like <laughs> rare. And it's like, it's like the side of the mouth curled up. And it's just like, oh, that's the, that's dance floor Dia right there when she talked about the Golden State win. And that, that was hilarious. Anyway, please, oh, please go ahead. Sorry to interrupt yeah, you. I, I don't want to talk about all the losing. I want to talk about the win. We're just going to go ahead and cruise right over the other loss that was to the Golden State Warriors. The one thing I want to say about that before I move on to the exciting part of the winning stuff, that was a terrible sentence. That's okay. Is the win. That, that Steph Curry came out and kicked butt in that game. And I just have to say, it couldn't happen to a nicer person. I like Steph. I think he's a good guy. It was fun to watch it happen. It would have been a heck of a lot more fun to watch it happen against the Lakers. But that being said, congratulations to him. On that same night, Dane beat a record. He moved up on the, was it three-pointers? Mm-hmm. He was like, eight, he's I, like 18th now. Yeah. Congratulations to him. You know, again, I think sometimes we forget how good he is because he does it so quietly. The fact of the matter is that we, we did not play a terrible game that game. We played pretty well. Steph just went off. And if he had had a normal game, we would have won. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. It, 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 it is what it is. It's a game that'll go down in history and be talked about for years, unfortunately. Not because of us, but we did have a good win against Golden State, and that felt good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the duality of Golden State was interesting because Golden State does have that championship pedigree. And mm -hmm. Curry, especially, was at the center of that. And the arguments that people were having early, can Seth Curry still be good? And blah, blah, blah. blah. Oh, God, that was idiotic. National NBA. Yeah. I, I've got, to, I'll confess to you. I hate most national NBA stuff. There are like three or four people that you really listen to, and the rest is really kind of bad, at least as far as the broad analysis. This whole debate over whether Curry was still Curry, of course he's still Curry. It's just nobody with that skill set and even with his talent can carry a team to a championship when he's not surrounded by players who step up to the occasion, and so far the Warriors have not. That said, amazing amazing comeback and this is kind of what we're talking about with the dame thing too right like they lost the night before not only did, did golden state lose they lost pretty heavily and they were expected to lose again the way the momentum was going okay portland is healthier uh portland has more to prove there's a hundred reasons why golden state should have lost that game and as you say would have except for the guy that they depend on to pull them out of the well says okay whatever you need career high i guess this is my night and right. starts bombing away and by the way the blazers have enough trouble covering the arc when it's the arc yeah. ain't no way they're covering curry range and he knew it like yeah. th there's not there's not enough center mobility in the in the blazers entire roster to fix that so 
Yeah. Look, I mean, he knew what he had to do and he did it. I think yeah. Lillard's going to do the same thing. So I think we can look at that loss even with some optimism that it is possible and that Dame just needs to take a, a page out of Seth's book or Steph's book rather. Seth, oh, I miss him. Steph's book and yeah. uh, and go and go ahead and and do that. Yeah. You know, I'm I am a big not a fan of of the comparison game. We talked about the goat debate on here. I'm not a fan. Dame and Steph get compared all the time and I'm Steph. not a fan. You did it too. I did it too. I did it. Didn't I say Steph? No, you said Seth. It's subliminal. Did I, say Seth? I miss Seth Curry. I miss <laughs> Seth Curry. I miss Cur- Seth Curry too. Oh, See, that's a thing. It's like I I love Seth. Still, he's one of those players like CJ will be for me if he ever gets traded where every time I see him on a team, I miss him. But at the same time, I hope such good things for him. But I miss him, and I wish he was on our team. Steph. I hate the debate of Steph Curry and Damian Lillard. I don't like it. I think they are both incredible players in their own right. Yes, they both shoot deep three-point shots and do it well. But they are also two very different players. And they play different games. And they are both good. And they don't need to be compared. One doesn't have to be better than the other. They can both be incredible players, and I think really good that. You know that this is not unlike previous seasons. You know that except for very rare occasions, the Blazers have started slow. Everybody counts them out of it. Then they claw their way back, have magnificent finishes, get in the playoffs, get everybody hoping, and then usually don't do so well. But they don't stink, all right? They're they're not abysmal. I would still guess, at worst, we're going to see a repeat of that. The problem is not that the team isn't good. The problem is, is the team better? Eh, jury's still out on that. Is the team trustworthy? No, at this point. Uh, you can't trust them night to night or play to play for the issues that we've talked about. Um, and also the expectations. And that's really what we're talking about here to close. It's not that the team has changed. It's that the expectations changed. And the Blazers are not living up to them at that at this point. And there's no argument about that. And if the expectation is a title, the Blazers are not even close to living up to that level of play at this point. And I think that's where the gap is. So we're going to have to write it out and see if the performance and, you know, the performance closes the gap or whether the expectations need to come back down yeah i'm just gonna go ahead and keep you know my glass filled with unicorns because i just rainbows and rainbows give me the unicorns and rainbows i am all about that life i i have i have to say one more thing about this well uh, before you do though keep that in mind if they get an expansion team in las vegas my argument is unicorns and rainbows on the jerseys I mean, because that would be sweet. I mean, they're going to put one in Seattle and they're going to be the Sonics, so you can't mess with that. But I like the Las Vegas rainbow unicorns. I think that would be fabulous. Yeah, I don't think that's going to fly. Plus, Wait. I'd probably I'd okay. probably lose my eight-year-old daughter as a Trailblazer fan if that were the case. If you want it to fly, it has to be a Pegasus, not a unicorn. So, <laughs> a Pegasus unicorn, yeah. Pegasus nah, Let's not go there. Anyway, yeah, no, I like the rainbow unicorns. I'm going to petition that that's what the Vegas team is named. I, You're I, one I, more I, thing. Your thought to close. 
secret. I might one more thing. This is just kind of a funny thing that I noticed about the game tonight. You know, we we need to talk about this more in depth. Maybe next week we can. I keep I think we've said this for three weeks in a row that we're gonna talk about this more in depth and then other things come up. But the the crowd noise, you know, that they're that they're pumping into the stadium. I <laughs> tonight when, uh, you know, I, it's been interesting to watch. I, I make no secret of the fact that I pay a lot of attention to Blazers Twitter and, and the interactions that happen there. And Harry Giles is a fan favorite. The man has barely played any minutes, but Portland loves him. And I just about died laughing tonight because when Harry Giles went in, the non-existent crowd went wild. And I thought, okay, well, the sound guys are fans of Harry Giles as well. <laughs> and it made me wonder how I, I want that job. Can someone from the Trailblazers please hire me to be the person in charge of what sounds are played in the stadium? Because <laughs> I think that would be fun. I don't know if they listen to this podcast, but I am reasonably <laughs> sure that the arena crew, or at least some of them, do read Blazers Edge and get a pulse on the fan thing. So that is probably not an accident. I don't know if they have the guts to boo Carmelo, but <laughs> I mean that would be oh, that would be the no. counter. No, no, I know. I'm sorry. I. I bleached your rainbow unicorn there. Uh, but no, okay, I will go a step farther than that, though, since you brought it up. Uh, the noise uh, is appropriate. I think they're doing a great job with it. At the same time, it's plastic. Especially oh, I, if you're... I hate it. If you're the, but, I, <laughs> but I'm talking about for the team. Like, if you're the Trailblazers, it's like being used to eating creme brulee, and then someone gives you that tapioca crap pudding from a can you know and just slops it on your cafeteria tray i mean it, it's pudding still but it ain't the stuff and yeah i the reason i bring this up i would not bet against the blazers winning this chicago game that they just lost if there were real fans in the building if yeah. that building were full because i think the momentum would have been more i think that that would have affected not only the the mental emotional state of the team but the referees and everything else now i'm not saying it's not an excuse or whatever but it would not surprise me if on this occasion in this kind of game the lack of live fans just kind of helped drain the momentum and maybe that's some of what you sense frankly yeah you know it's interesting because i that's one of those things that I I wouldn't really think of as being a huge factor. But there are certain stadiums, that's a big factor. I had an opportunity a few weeks back to talk to Alan Crabb, who used to play for the Portland Trailblazers. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about a couple of things. And one of the things that he mentioned that I thought was so interesting as someone who has never actually gotten to be in the Moda Center, he said it was it's in the top three of arenas to play. He said... The fans are incredible. And he said there were times where he could feel, especially during playoffs, where he could actually feel the fans yelling and cheering and jumping and whatever on the floor. And that that's crazy to me. And what that must do to your adrenaline as a player and to your just push. I mean, they know that people are watching, obviously, but there's a very different experience in playing that way versus with a crowd full of crazy excited fans and I think that that has to make such a difference and you don't think about those things so much until you're having conversations like this one who's dame gonna dame time to let's say he hits that shot or hits the winning shot and turns around and touches his wrist and who's there it's an empty arena and I will tell you I mean it does make a difference at least for me I can 
speak from personal experience because you know what? Unlike, sorry, get ready for a Dave editorial. Uh, you know I work at a church. You know I'm pastor there, uh, which means I get to have a big voice in the decisions. And we have not reopened for in-person worship since COVID became a serious threat in March of 2020. We will be more than a year since we met in person, period, before this is all done. And I have churches opening all around, and we have COVID safe, you know, whatever. And meanwhile, in where I live in Boise, we're making news on CNN for skyrocketing infection rates won't do it okay won't do it sorry that's my sidebar editorial here's the point how do i preach i mean i have been used to my entire career from having anywhere from you know 60 at the beginning to hundreds now in front of me interacting with a crowd modifying the sermon you know based on what i'm seeing and sensing and and what have you right all of a sudden that's gone and you're looking at a camera and one person behind it and a ring light that's burning your retinas. And that's <laughs> not the same experience. And yeah. fortunately, I have a very good video person who I have a wonderful relationship with who has kind of taken the place of all of that. And I always hated the camera. The camera hated me. We have an uneasy relationship through my video person that has developed into a warmth. I've adjusted. But that was an adjustment. It was a big adjustment. It is not the same without the energy of other people around you. Now, I don't know if that's true for NBA basketball players as much as preachers, but I know as a human being, that doesn't come instantly or easily. And yeah, yeah I mean, it is not the reason the Blazers are three and four as opposed to seven and zero, oh, but it might be the reason they're three and four instead of four and three. Yeah, and I think we've talked before about the, you know, how the bubble atmosphere played to certain types of players. There are certain types of players like like one of the ones that we talked about really was Mario Hazonia. You know, he he played better in the bubble and I think there are certain players that maybe don't love playing with the pressure of a crowd and that's a better atmosphere for them. But that's not who we're dealing with for the most part. For the most part, these guys are players and they are performers and they like the crowd and the crowd riles them up. And I think that that's definitely missing. But Dia, this is not the bubble. This is not the bubble. The bubble was a, a, a weird thing. The bubble was like a tournament. The bubble was new and unique. The bubble was totally compacted into a, eight games over a couple weeks. It was almost like going away to Vegas for summer league or something like that. It was its own experience. And the Blazers did very well there. Right. Right. But this, I mean, I'm, Right. I'm just comparing the, the no fan factor. Right, exactly. But I'm saying that even with the no fan factor being the same, I know Portland went 8-0 or whatever ungodly thing they did in the bubble. I know they were the team of the bubble, but that was a vacation. That was Disneyland. That was basketball Disneyland NCAA tournament atmosphere thing. This is yeah. a regular season, a grind, yep. 72 games, never playing in front of anybody, traveling in weird circumstances, whatever. It's not the same. No, I agree. And I wasn't I wasn't implying that it was the same thing. I'm just simply saying that I think there are certain players that maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I don't think that's the majority and I don't think that's what we're dealing with. Right, exactly. Because people are going to say, well, the Blazers did well without fans in Orlando, but it's not comparable. No, there were too many other factors there to, to I mean, the fans not being there were not the main factor there. And there were a lot of people around and there were a lot of things going on and it was just, that's a totally different thing. Right. And, um, and I guarantee you that wasn't a 21,000 seat arena either, was it? I mean, right, ESPN facilities right. aren't that big down there. So it's a whole different deal. 
Well, anyway, yeah. we've gone over time now, as usual. Seems like it's been <laughs> 10 minutes, but uh, the bags under both of our eyes are starting to sag into oblivion. So anything else you want to say before we uh, sign off for another No, week? I mean, there's there's always more that we can say, but I think we'll you know, we'll, we'll (laughs) cut it for now. I guess just for the people who are listening, you know, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to be a a fan of a team that is struggling, especially when you had such high hopes. And I would just encourage all of you to fill your cup with rainbows and unicorns and remember that there's a lot of season left and, and anything can happen. And I, you know, I still have hope. I still have hope. And every day the the Blazers are going to come to you with their pants in hand. And as a good fan, every day you tell them they've done well and slip them right on and send them off to play the next game. For Dia Miller, I'm Dave Deckard, and we will see you again next week. This has been Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge production. Find more basketball talk at BlazersEdge.com. Watch your step as you exit, and we hope to see you again soon. Dave and Dia, what is that? A Swedish skin cream company?